now for the main event. Are you ready? We're on week three of words, words, words. Justin has done a great job uh, walking us through. Has he not done a good job, guys? And, um, and uh, I pray that the Lord really convicts us today because I've heard this word and I'm excited about it. Would you guys welcome Pastor Justin Bashirs? So let me get my stuff. Just 30 seconds. Would have been better with music, but... We all, we all grow and change as we get older. I didn't like broccoli when I was a kid either, you know, so. Good morning. Just let me take a sip, just let y'all know, look here. We may have lost, but that's okay, right? Yep. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. This is actually just a, uh, me, me being accountable to you guys. Remember last week I was here, had my wife's coffee mug, uh, and I said, hey, I found out I wasn't supposed to bring that mug out of the house anywhere. And I promised you that never again would I bring her coffee mugs here. So this is me get, making good on my word. This is not my wife's coffee mug. This is my UT volunteer coffee mug. That's right. And just so you know, Jeremy, that uh, Jesus was the ultimate volunteer. Okay? So <laughs> says in Scripture, I lay down my life for my sheep. No man takes my life from me. I lay it down. So if, Ronnie can, if Pastor Ronnie can say, blessed are the meek and get away with it, then, uh, you know, <laughs> personalize it, then Jesus was the ultimate volunteer. Deal with it, right? <laughs> go Big Orange. Here we go. Go Big Orange. Woo! Okay. Uh, it's not why we're here. Just being accountable, right? That's what we did. Uh, good morning. My name is Justin Bashirs. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Springhouse. Uh, if you're visiting with us for the first time, we're so glad you're here. Please come back next week. It'll be the main pastor. For those that came last week and came back, man, just one more. Press in. Dig in with me. I promise we're going to get through it. It's going to be amazing. Uh, also, uh, if you're new here and you're a guy and I don't know you, I want to connect with you uh, with the men's ministry. So come see me after service. Let me get your phone number and I'll send you a text. Also, my lovely wife uh, with Promised Women's Ministry, they're having a 90s night at Chick Chat. Right? Some of us grew up in the 90s. You remember, if you missed a show, you missed it forever. Wasn't going back and streaming it. Well, they're having a 90s party tonight. And uh, come dress to impress. Best costume gets a trapper keeper. Okay? So um, it's going to be the real deal. 6 p.m. right here at Fellowship Hall. Ladies, are going to cut up. Anyway, I promised her I would do that because I make her life hard sometimes. So uh, just to give you a quick recap, whether you was here uh, and forgot or you were not here and you need to be reminded, uh, our first week together in our Word series, we discussed the importance of our words. We talked about how words are a reflection of our hearts and our minds. Remember I said that whatever's going on in our heart and our mind eventually comes out of our mouth. Uh, and then we talked about how that they eat those words either pollute the environment or they cleanse the environment. And then last week, in week two, we talked about the three major traps of the enemy uh, regarding our speech. We talked about criticism, we talked about comparison, and we talked about complaining. Arwen Jones for the win. Yes, she don't even like Tennessee, right? The team, not the state. Uh, so today, what is in my spirit and what I felt like as I've been preparing this, this message in this series is today, I want to share about the life-giving power of our tongue, okay? So we're gonna, uh, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to read one verse, and then we're going to pray, and we're going to get into the Word this morning. 
Are we ready? Here we go. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the opportunity to share your word for your people, God. I pray that the words that I say uh, would be your words, that you would speak to our hearts. We open our hearts and our minds to an encounter with you, God. We pray for an encounter with you, that we would not be the same when we leave this place, that we would understand the value and the importance that our words have to bless and to curse, Father. We ask that you be with us now. Anoint me to share. Uh, in Christ's name we pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. I'm just going to shift this towards Rob right here. Gator fan, by the way. Still love him. That's what happens in the kingdom. That's what happens in the kingdom. This is a perfect example of what happens in the kingdom, okay? So uh, over the last few weeks as I've been, really the last six months, but mainly the last three weeks, um, I've noticed a trend in my life. I'm trending in, in a certain way. And here's what the trend is. I have said something that is offensive to others prior or right after my sermons. Either right before, or I'm getting ready to preach, or right after, I've said something extremely offensive to somebody. And I got a good friend that, um, that has noticed this trend in my life, but didn't bother to say something until it was brought up. Uh, but I still love him because he's got my back. Um, but me and my wife have been having little tiffs. You know, look, we don't argue about anything of substance. I mean, we're, it's not like real arguments. Like we're, this was a real, a real tiff this last week, whether or not she should eat gluten. That's, that's what we're arguing about. I think I don't need to eat gluten. Well, I can't cook gluten-free, so we got to figure it out. This is how we do something. And I'm like, what is going on? And so she's sharing uh, with our friend, and he was like, oh, yeah, you didn't know? Y'all always have these little tips right before he speaks. And everybody, well, that would have been good to know about three and a half weeks ago. <laughs> He's like, I thought you knew that this happens every single time. I'm like, ah, you know what? You're right. You know, you're right. But no, I've been going through it. Uh, I have made jokes that are normally taken lightly that have gone south instantaneously, right? Normal jokes. And it's like, what's that supposed to mean? You're getting on my nerves. I'm like, wow, whoa. Back the train up. I've made comments that are deemed condescending and hypocritical. Me? Condescending? Ever? <laughs> Gotta be from the enemy. That's from the pit. It's a lie. Never been condescending. Look, I've said stuff that was completely harmless and was taken way out of context. Uh, I'll give you a real life example. Y'all think I'm just up here saying, look, and what's crazy is it's almost like you feel, you feel inadequate to prepare a message about your speech when you know how much you struggle with your speech. And God's like, that's why I can use you because you ain't got it together. Because if you had it together, you'd be like, guys, look, this is how all you guys mess up. As opposed to be like, this is how we, we get it wrong. I almost got kicked out of a high school football game Friday. <laughs> That's real, real talk. There's about 13, there's a cloud of witnesses in here that can testify that I almost got kicked out of a football game on Friday. High school football game. Look, and I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a pastor. I, it wasn't like for anything crazy. I mean, I didn't just lose my mind down there on the sideline. But at one moment, I, I was addressing the crowd I wasn't talking to the referees. I'm addressing the crowd, but I'm doing it with a microphone in my hand. 
Seriously, and so the referees went absolutely bananas. One ref, two refs come storming up. He got to go. He got to get out of here. And then it was the most embarrassing thing ever because the entire coaching staff turns around. Shut up! Which in turn causes all the fans to turn around. Shut up! And here I am with this microphone, right? And they was like, he can't say anything else. And then, and then, uh, and then Will, uh, God love him, he comes out like Tommy Lasorda like to, to come and visit the pitcher's mound and takes the mic from me. He was like, <laughs> he was like, sorry, bud. And then he called the bullpen in and, and had the most embarrassing, most embarrassing thing ever. And, and to top it all off, me and Will had, had been going back and forth to where he appeared to be annoyed on the microphone. So he would say things like, no, Justin. And then I'd be like, well, whatever, Will. And so we were playing, but then everybody else became annoyed. And then the rest became annoyed. And long story short, I didn't finish the fourth quarter. I stayed, but it was a disaster. I was so embarrassed. And I'm, I'm like, what is going on in my life right now? Right, each of these scenarios has been happening. I'm wondering, am I, I'm asking God, am I out of line? Like, am I out of line? And, and then I'm asking God, okay, well, are they tripping? They must be tripping. <laughs> Gotta be tripping, because I didn't even say nothing wrong. I know what the comment was. I said something about we should all take our Metamucil and go home then. And, and in way, it was fiber, man. It satiates you. You get full anyway. Somebody didn't like it. I didn't know. I was like, maybe they're tripping. Maybe they're sensitive. So I'm asking God. In all of these scenarios, I'm like, was it bad timing? Because y'all know I have a tendency to say the right thing at the wrong time. Anybody else? Anybody ride with me? Right? Uh, and then I was like, okay, God, it, maybe it's my delivery method. Maybe it's the way I'm presenting it. Like, because I didn't mean anything by it. Maybe it's my delivery. And you know what God told me to all these, these questions? Yes. <laughs> For real. The answer is yes. It's all of these things. You're out of line. They are tripping. It was bad timing, and you didn't deliver it properly. <laughs> so I prayed and listened to the Holy Spirit, and I've had numerous counseling sessions with my wife over the last few weeks. And one thing has become clear, and this is what God's put in my spirit, that our words carry weight, whether we realize it or not. Right. Our words have power. Yeah. We just read a verse that says, death and life are in the power of our tongue, and those, uh, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Right? For a, for a person that talks a lot, this is a big deal to realize my words are killing folks or are giving life to each other. Right? Go ahead and put that verse up there. Proverbs 21, 23 says, um, <coughs> it says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. <laughs> yeah, I love, they all amen in that after that story. <laughs> no, but man, when you come across a verse after a lot of failures with your speech, you realize what God's trying to say to you. Hey man, you need to be intentional about what you say. Okay. Now I realize that there are two parties involved in conversation or in speech like that. And some of the stuff I said was not offensive, but yet people took offense to it. Right. And then some of the things I've said were offensive and, and I'm wrong for it. And there's two parties involved. And so I feel like that, that part of it is that we need to adopt this mentality of no offense, none taken. 
no offense, none taken, that we would stop wearing our emotions on our sleeve and make everyone else responsible for our feelings. When, some, when, when someone says something that is not offensive, that's coming from a good place and a good heart, and we take it offensive, then what we're saying to them is, you're responsible for my emotions. Wow. You're responsible for my emotions. Well, I don't like that. That makes me feel some kind of way. It's like when Rob said, go Gators. That makes me feel some kind of way. <laughs> but Rob's not responsible for that. I'm responsible for that because of where I'm at. But seriously, seriously, if you think about it, man, if you, everywhere you look, you can look on social media. You can go out here in the hallway. I, I asked you week one, who has been offended by something I've said? And a lot of you is probably legitimate. And some of you, it's like, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean it that way. Maybe I didn't have enough information. I'm not trying to be callous. And so I, I pray that we'd be a people that adopt this motto of no offense, none taken. I know where you're coming from. I'm not going to wear that. I'm not going to let that affect me like that. And then we would also understand our words have power and they can be offensive. Amen? So, so as I read these verses about death and life being in the power of the tongue, I'm like, is this, is this for real? Like, is this, is this another one of those Bible stories? It's like, this is not really what I'm trying to say. This is like an allegorical or this is a spiritual lesson. So I, I've started doing some research, okay? Because you guys know I'm all sciencey and stuff, right? My wife laughed because she knows. <laughs> so if you can put that next picture up for me. I don't have a clicker. Okay, there, there is a group of islands uh, to the northeast of Australia. See, here's Australia, and then to the northeast, there's a group of islands uh, called the Solomon Islands. And the major export of these islands is wood and timber. So logging exports contribute to like 50 to 70% of their income uh, for the whole island, okay? And according to some reports, the islanders practice a special form of cursing, a special form of cursing, not your Christian cuss words, dang it, dab nab it, dad gum it, <laughs> actual curses, okay? If a tree, get this, if a tree needs to be cut down and it's too large to chop down, look at how little bitty that guy is. How long would it take him to chop that tree down? Okay, if it's too big for them to cut down, it's brought down by the combined efforts of the people cursing negatively and yelling at the tree. All the people get together and the negative energy somehow damages the tree's life energy. And after about 30 days of getting cursed out, the tree dies and falls to the ground. Right. This is this was a report. I'm like, there ain't no way. There is no way, and I know it's in the sermon, so, so this morning as I come in, right, I see a dead plant out there, and I see a live, thriving plant, right? This one over here, if you come up the ramp, the one on the left is just, just struggling, struggling. Somebody's been out there yelling at that plant. And me, I'm out there going, you've got what it takes. You're great. People are looking at me like I'm nuts coming in. I'm like, where are we in the right church? Because here I am. I'm encouraging this little plan. I'm like, you can do this. I believe in you. You will bloom again. You will prosper. Right? So I'm like, is this for real? Is this even possible? Right? Death, or is death, is this a literal, does he literally mean death and life are in the power of my tongue? Is that really? Can I curse a tree and it die? Uh, there was a Japanese scientist, uh, pseudoscientist, businessman, author. His name was Masuro Emoto. And he claimed that human consciousness could affect the molecular structure of water, OK? 
okay? This is what he believed. He claimed that water was a blueprint for our reality and that emotional energies and vibrations could change its physical structure, okay? So this is what he would do. Masuro Emoto performed uh, crystal experiments, and this is what the experiments consisted of. He would expose water that was in glasses to various words, pictures, and music, and he would freeze it at negative 25 degrees and examine the ice crystals that were in the water and look at their aesthetic properties under a microscope. So everybody's with me. He would take water and he would either put a label on it of a positive word or a negative word, or he would play music to these water samples, or he would actually say things to the water, positive and negative speech, freeze it and look at it under a microscope to examine the, the aesthetic properties of the crystals, okay? He claimed that water exposed to positive speech formed visually pleasing crystals while water exposed to negative speech formed ugly crystals, okay? So these are some of his experiments. Go ahead and put that first one up. This is water that has been exposed to heavy metal music. It's pretty incredible. I shared an early gathering. I listen to heavy metal, sometimes Christian version, like when I'm working out and I feel stronger. I'm like, I can get a pump going on right now because that's what's going on inside of my body when I'm listening to heavy metal. Uh, I don't know if that's pleasing or not until you, you cross-reference it with something else. So go ahead and put that next one up. This is Mozart exposed to water. See the difference? Now, I'm not bashing heavy metal, you know. Metal's your thing or Mozart your thing. I'm probably not working out to Mozart because you can't really get a good burn like that, can you? <laughs> okay, go ahead and put this next one up. This right here is water that they've spoken, I hate you, I will kill you. And this is what the frozen crystals look like. That's pretty ugly, right? Now go ahead and put the next one up. This is thank you spoken to water. Thank you. And the next one, this is I love you spoken to water and then frozen. Yeah, right? So I'm, I'm looking at all this stuff and I'm like, is this for real? Like, is this really true? Can the people of the Solomon Islands all gather up and go curse out trees that are too big to cut down and then the trees fall down? And then I come across research like this that he's doing scientific experiments where if you speak one thing to water, it forms crystals in a certain way and you speak another way to water, it forms crystals another way. And I'm like, do our words really carry that much power? Well, there's a Bible story about somebody that cussed a tree. Cursed a tree. He didn't cuss a tree. Let me get that right. Before they go, but like, hey, man, I was at church, and this pastor said J Jesus cussed the tree out. And I'm like, that is not going to be on the Springhouse quote, quote. Don't send me that approval. It's not, Jesus did not cuss a tree out. That's, that's East Nashville. I always find a way to sneak back in, don't it? No matter how far you go. If you have your Bibles, open your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. Here, four rice pages turning. Everyone must be in the digital age. I hear Velcro. Dang, Dave, it's going to take you 30 minutes. I'm moving on. All right. <laughs> At least it was there, man. It was there. I didn't tell you. Mark chapter 11, verse 12. Okay. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. He is Jesus. 
says he was hungry and seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. So Jesus is walking by. He's looking for the fruit. There ain't no fruit. And he says, nobody's going to eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say that out loud. You skip down to verse 20, it says, as they passed by in the morning, implying it was the following day, they saw a fig tree withered away at its roots. And I know it's Jesus and he's telling, uh, uh, this, is a, this is actually a figurative lesson on the judgment of Israel because this is right after the triumphal entry. He goes from here to flip tables and tell more parables. This is his, in, in Passion Week. So I know he's talking about the nation of Israel, right, as, far, as not bearing fruit. But this literally happened. He literally said to a tree, curse you, and they come back and the tree's dead. What would happen right now if, if 12 o'clock service is over, you go outside and that plant that I've been giving all them encouragements to all of a sudden have flowers and blooms. Doug, go switch it out for me. <laughs> Y'all come back for sure next week being like, man, you ain't going to believe this. <laughs> Y'all ain't going to believe what happened. Imagine you're walking with Jesus. He cusses the, curses the tree, not cusses the tree. And you come back the next day and the tree is dead. What? This is where I need Rob to hit that organ right there behind me. I wish we had an organ. Boy, come on, Reverend. No, we ain't going. Okay, but it's Jesus. But check this out. Plants are, are, are also made up of 70% to 90% water. 70% to 90% of their makeup is water. Right, And this ain't the only time Jesus spoke to, spoke to the water. Remember, he's in the boat, Mark chapter 4. Everybody's tripping. It's a storm. I don't know why are we tripping when Jesus is in the boat. Right? We sing a song here, and the, the bridge goes, why do I worry? Why do I worry? God knows what I need. But yet, we wouldn't have to sing songs like that if we didn't worry. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus is in the boat asleep, and they go and they get him, and they're freaking out. We're all going to die. And what does Jesus do? He gets up, and he speaks to the wind, and he speaks to the waves, and he says, peace, be still, and the water obeys his voice. You know what else is made up of 70% water? So can you visualize and imagine when you say something that is discouraging to someone, what it can do inside of their body? I shared last week about negative words and criticism and complaints, releasing excess levels of cortisol that we don't know what to do with in our body. Now you have a visual representation of what is actually going on. We go back to Mark chapter 11, right? This has just happened. Jesus curses the tree. They go home. They get back up the next day after he cleansed the temple. Yeah, because in between the tree getting cursed and dying, he also flipped over the tables in the temple. So they're like, he's on fire right now. We probably ought to watch what's going on. So then they ask him in verse 21, they say, Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Verse 22, Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Yeah. This is his explanation of what just happened. You cursed a tree, what happened? He says, have faith in God. 
Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. This verse is about faith, but what Jesus is saying is your faith is activated by your speech. Faith is activated by your speech. He says you believe in your heart, but it's activated when you speak it out. Whoever says to this mountain, be thrown into the sea. How many of us are doing what we do last week and complaining to God about our mountain? How many of us are complaining to others about the mountains in our life? How many of us are speaking to the mountains in our life and telling them what the word says? That mountain of fear that keeps coming back. How many of us are talking to other people about the mountain instead of talking to the mountain? saying, this is what God says about that. I don't need to fear. I don't need to worry. How many of us are speaking to that mountain of lust in our lives instead of of hiding it or complaining about it to others? Jesus is saying, speak to the mountain. And I'm not talking about like you name this and believe you're going to have it. This This is not what we're talking about. We're talking about our speech activating our faith and that our words really do have power. Check this out. You can't praise God silently. You can't do it. You can't do it. Can I encourage my kids quietly? Right? When the last time you got an encouragement you didn't know about? For real, tell me one time that you were encouraged by somebody when they didn't even say nothing. I mean, I know you can watch their life. And I don't see, because now you're going to get me on that while I watch and I learn from your example. When the last time I, my son, is my son going to know that I'm proud of him and I'm proud of the work and the effort that he's putting in? With that, if I don't say, son, I'm proud of you and I see the effort and I see the work you're putting in. Right? There was, a, there was a, a teacher who did an experiment with her whole classroom. She gave them a hard test. And, and after the test, she told one group of kids, you are really smart. And she told the other group of kids, you are really a hard worker and you're committed and I really appreciate your effort. Then she gave them, offered them a harder test and the kids who were told they were smart versus the kids that told that they put in the work and studied and, 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 and worked hard, the kids that worked hard did better than the kids that were just told they were smart. Because they told the kids, you can do this. I believe in you. You keep practicing. You keep trying as opposed to they told the kids, you're just, you're just naturally that way. The words have power. But if you don't ever say them, then they're not able to, uh, to be used. Can I encourage my wife quietly? No. Can I pray for her quietly? I, I mean, I guess you could. But how much more does it mean to her when I pray over her? How much more does it mean when, somebody, when you come down front? I mean, what, what would happen if you come down front today when I call for prayer? And you come down here and they're like, all right. No, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. Right? I'm praying for you. And I know God knows our need. But when our words are spoken, they have power. Because the Holy Spirit has given us the power, the same power to raise Christ Jesus from the dead lives in us. And if he lives in me, then I'm able to speak his words over people. I'm able to change the the molecular structure of the situation. I'm able to speak the words of life into the atmosphere. I can speak words and life in the atmosphere. I cannot fight these battles with my mouth closed. 
Okay? There is always a sound that precedes a move of God. If you'll read the scriptures, every time you see a move of God, there's always a sound. It's always accompanied with a sound or a word. And one of the most amazing moves of God that you can see in scripture when he says, if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, when you say Jesus is Lord, the word tells us that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So why not confess now if I'm going to have to do it eventually? Why not praise now if, I, if I'm going to have to do it eventually? Why not give him the glory he deserves now because I'm going to have to do it eventually? God has given power to words that I don't even understand. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't get how, how you could speak to a tree and it die, or you could speak to a, a plant and it live. I don't, I don't get that. I don't understand how you can speak to people and it crush them. I don't know how that literally happens. But I go to the scriptures and I find passages like this, Proverbs 25, verse 11. It says, a word spoken at the right time is like a fruit of gold set in silver. A word spoken at the right time. That looks like King James, a word fitly spoken. I don't even know what that means. I don't even know if it means it fits. It's fitly spoken. It's the right time. You didn't say the wrong thing. You said the right thing at the right time. And you know when you get it right. When you say the right thing at the right time, it's like apples of gold in a setting of silver. It's like beautiful jewelry. A word at the right time. Pastor Ronnie brought an on-time word this morning. That was on time. And it's beautiful. Our words have the ability to give life and death. And then I read passages like this, Proverbs 12, 25. It says... Anxiety in the heart of man weighs him down, but a kind word makes him glad. Anxiety in the heart of a man weighs him down, but a kind word cheers him up. Your words, my words, have the ability to pull somebody up, dust them off, and help them keep going. That's a real thing. Anxiety, when somebody is stressed and worried and you bring a, the right word to them, I love you, I'm praying for you. Anybody ever just got a text out of the blue and you're like, how did they know I was struggling? How did they know? And it has the ability to just bring calm. It's like, it's like I get stressed out, I get worked up, and then all of a sudden somebody give me a good word or something encouraging, and it's like uh, there's a plug in the back of my head, and they open it up, and all the worry and all the doubt and all the shortcomings and all the failures just have a tendency to fall out. Because let's face it, I told you guys, I screw up a lot. My words matter. Our words matter. What we say, how we say it, and even when we say them. Sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we mess it up, right? But there always is room to grow. There is always room to grow. Has anybody arrived? See that hand. I see that hand. 
Nobody's arrived yet, man. We all got room to grow. We all got room to grow. And one thing that's become crystal clear through this series, worship team, you go ahead and come out. Um, I don't have a super lengthy message today. Um, one thing that's become clear through this, this series is we need the power of the Holy Spirit active in our lives. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? Uh, I want to be aware of the importance our words have. When I come across these studies, when I see this research, when I read these scriptures, when I, when I have these failures and when I have these successes, it becomes more and more evident that my words carry weight, that they matter. There is power and there's power to give life. James says that no man can bridle his tongue, but guess what? God can. God can. God can bridle my tongue, right? And here's proof. Here's proof. I told you guys I'm an out loud processor, right? For those of you who don't know what that means, that means I um, work through problems on the outside of my brain, right? My mouth starts moving as my brain is processing what I'm saying. Gives me in trouble a lot at home. Uh, for all you out loud processors, you know what that's like. But I'm in the car with Jess and we're riding somewhere. She says something and this is what I literally do. I go, uh, yeah, see, cook, nah, uh, well, you know, I, mm. Uh, forget it, never mind. And she was like, that's good, that's growth. That was weird, but it was growth. <laughs> I don't know what that was, but I know you're trying. I know you're trying, and it's killing you because your brain is wanting to say all those sentences that you was, they were on the way out, and you was like, wait a minute, hang on, shut up, stop it, don't do it. Because it's usually stuff like, that's dumb. Why would we go there? I don't like those people. I guess they're okay. You know what? We should do that. Maybe they need me to minister to them. Maybe I need to be. That's how it goes. But the first thing that comes out of your mouth, well, that's dumb. Why is it dumb? And then you know how it goes. At least in my life. But that's not, that's not me. You guys can play softly. That was kind of good. I like that. Uh, not softly, softly. Um, ser seriously though, man, um, I can't do that. I can't bridle my tongue, right? But as I'm in process and as I'm in progress, right? Um, and as I'm working and as I'm growing and as we're growing in this, right? Um, it's evident that, that, that God can bridle our tongue. Um, just because you were some way or because you have a personality that's wired a certain way doesn't mean you can't grow. Found out a couple of weeks ago, I'm an otter. Right? Pa Pastor Kevin had somebody come in, do all of our personality assessments. And it wasn't like there was a lot of cool things to choose from. You were either a busy beaver, a golden retriever, an alpha lion, or an otter. <laughs> what, what, do you, what, what do you want to be, right? And it was based on how you're wired, right? And I'm an otter. Have you ever seen an otter not having fun? Think about it. They're always jumping off of stuff in the river, swimming doing their thing, they bring fun to every situation, whether it's a sermon or whatever, right? And that's the way I'm wired, right? So I, so I say, I joke when I shouldn't be joking because I'm wired to, to joke and jest and have fun. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, he can say, not right now, Justin, not right now. And I, and I need you guys, I need you golden retrievers, I need you busy beavers, I need you alpha lions to help temper that, and you need me to say, hey man, lighten up. It's not that serious. Enjoy the moment. Just as much as I need you to say, not right now, not right now. 
not right now. Because the Bible says in, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old, the carnal, the way you're wired, the way you designed has passed away and the new has come and is amplified and magnified in the kingdom. To where now I'm more aware that I'm not a lost cause. I almost got kicked out of a football game, but I'm not going to get kicked out of the next one. It's not an uphill battle. My, my speech is an arena where God can be glorified. I can praise Him. I can encourage you. I can go out there and look crazy while I'm trying to encourage that little plant. But there is life and there is death in the power of my tongue. And as much as I struggle with complaining and criticizing and comparing, the enemy also struggles with the praise that comes forth from my lips, with the encouragement that comes to others, with the blessing of God and blessing of His people. This is an arena where God can be glorified and people can be built up and the kingdom can be advanced. Death and life are in the power of our tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. Amen. If I could get the elders to come uh, down that are going to pray with people. And if you need prayer, if you're, if you're like me, you're like, man, I just, it's an uncanny ability to say the wrong thing at the right time or the right thing at the wrong time or maybe you struggle with not saying what God's asking you to say I want you to come if you have any needs if you have physical ailments if you're believing God for something I want you to come this morning and let us agree and let us pray over your situation and let us proclaim the praises of God this morning in your life so we're going to pray we're going to worship and we're going to bless God and Pastor Kevin's going to close us out with a blessing. Let's worship.